from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. I know it's just a play-in, and when you're talking about the play-in, there's plenty of opportunity to get your way to the playoffs. But this doesn't feel like that situation for the L.A. Lakers. This feels like about as close to a must-win game as you can get when elimination isn't on the line. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. All you got to do is tell them to play ESPN Radio. Presented by Progressive Insurance, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, and HD. I know, I understand that you can never have an elimination game unless there's actually elimination on the line. It can't be must-win unless you could actually go home. That being said, for all of the people that are going to sit there and say, well, actually, this isn't their moment. This is our moment. And I'm telling you, HD, this feels like a must-win moment for the Lakers taking on the Timberwolves. 100%. You want to know why, Fitz? Because tonight is the night that the Lakers feel all right. They have to, man, because they cannot lose this game. Because you see the Lakers, right? They win this game tonight. Then they don't have to play again until Sunday. When you think about the older bodies, think about LeBron James, you think about Anthony Davis, and I would even throw D'Angelo Russell in that mix too because he's been injured and banged up this season. They can't afford to lose this game versus the Minnesota Timberwolves, who's depleted as a basketball team. No Rudy Gobert, no uh, Jaden McDaniels. Both of those guys are out tonight versus the Lakers. And then have to play another game on Friday. And then if you win that game on Friday, you have to play the series against the Memphis Grizzlies. No, excuse me, against the Denver Nuggets on Sunday. So either where it go, whether the seventh seed or the eighth seed, they're going to have to play on Sunday. I'm pretty sure if they win this game tonight versus the Minnesota Timberwolves, they would love that rest, especially with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and not having to play another basketball game until the series starts. Then if they win tonight, they'd be the seventh seed against the Memphis Grizzlies. You don't want to have to play Friday and then plan for the eighth seed because that path, I think, is a little bit tougher. Right, you talk about the eight seed. You have to go through the Denver Nuggets, the number one seed, and then you will have to face. Just say hypothetically, you win that series. Then next, you will have to face the Los Angeles Clippers or the Phoenix Suns. I don't think you want to go that route if you're the Los Angeles Lakers. You want that rest. That's four days of rest you'll be able to get for your big guys, for your big dogs, your all-star player, uh, LeBron James, and also Anthony Davis, who you're counting on in this series or in the playoffs. Period. Uh, so I just think that's the route they would want to go versus having to play Tuesday, Friday, and then Sunday again. Yeah, the rest is so key. And also when you start talking about the injury issues that the Lakers have had this season, and, and look, everybody's had them, I understand that. But uh, it just makes me nervous. And you know this as a former athlete. When I'm talking about foot injuries, it just feels like every time somebody steps on the court where they don't have to step on the court, it's an unnecessary risk. Frankly, at, at the age also of LeBron, an extra few days is a significant difference. And I'm not saying that in some way that belittles the the fact that he can turn around and do it. We know he can. But you're going to get a better version of him in my mind if he can get a few days rest. So I think it's key simply because of the rest and the opportunity that's here for a depleted Timberwolves team. Like, let's not make some uh, misjudgment here. This is not the version of Minnesota that they could be. Without McDaniels, without Rudy Gobert, this is not the best of the Timberwolves. So when you're getting less than the best of an opponent that you should be better than, you've got to win that game just to give your extra time. Now, Anthony Davis, Lakers uh, superstar, talked about specifically facing the Wolves without those stars. This is what he said. 
Yeah, those are top uh, two defensive guys. You know, um, obviously it, it takes a hit. You know, from them defensively, they're probably a little bit better offensively, just as far as spacing. Um, so it's a different, you know, challenge for us. Um, we haven't seen that this year, um, but we're preparing for it. Um, unfortunate situation for them, obviously, but you know. It's our job to go out there, and no matter who's on the floor, um, go out there and get, get a victory. Fitz, the Lakers can't lose this game. <laughs> did, did, you, did you just hear what Anthony Davis just said? They're missing their two top defensive guys. Anthony Davis better have a field day because Rudy Gobert, I'm going to say it like that, Rudy Gobert, no. it's not going to be in the paint to block shots and alter things that he's going to do. Now, Anthony Davis can take him on the perimeter, and that'll be a mismatch as well. But still, LeBron James should have a field day taking the ball to the rack because you don't have that, that, that big guy, that shot blocker, a guy that can anchor the paint defensively for Minnesota. But let's be honest, right? The Los Angeles Lakers, they aren't no spring chickens. I know all about that. When you get older, you, your career, you know, it's longer, and, you know, you start getting these aches and pains, and then these injuries start to show up. You want that rest against the spring chickens, the Memphis Grizzlies, who you'll be facing next if you win this ballgame. No. So for the Lakers, it's very valuable that they win tonight. Uh, how are we saying Rudy's name again here? Uh, Rudy Gobert. Now, is that fancy or is that sorority speak? Because both, like it could be either. <laughs> like there's a, there's a level of us like Rudy Gobert. Could be fancy, but it also might just be like Rudy Gobert, which feels a little bit more yeah, like. Say, a, little, a little fancy. Okay. Like, you it's, don't it's toot my nose up. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. All right. Rudy so, Gobert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so most of his name has been said in consecutive times on any ESPN show in a very long time. I will disagree with you on one thing, though. Uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, and it's rare that we disagree on a lot of these things. But I'll tell you, I, I, I got to tell you, I feel like taking on Denver and taking on Phoenix is brutal. It's absolutely awful. It's terrible. I don't know that I feel better about taking on Memphis and Golden State. Like, I'm just presuming they get Memphis in the first round. That's where I presume, and this is the take that keeps getting me in trouble, and Lakers Nation keeps just coming after me hard, 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 hard. I think Memphis is a better basketball team than L.A. But if they survive that, then they, in my mind, pretty I, I, I'm pretty confident in Golden State against Sacramento. So now, all of a sudden, you're going to be getting the defending champion Golden State Warriors who are then healthy and can shoot on anybody. I don't think there's either of those paths are good for the Lakers. I feel like they're damned if they do and damned if they don't, but I don't want to take on the defensive player of the year and one of the most dynamic superstars in Memphis. And I also don't want to take on the defending champions when it comes to taking on Golden State. So in my mind, it could be a little easier to just go in there and only have to worry about Jokic to at least get to no, Phoenix. No, 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 no. Let me tell you why. Okay. Because when you when you look at the um, Denver Nuggets and – you know, guys that they've acquired at the trade deadline and also Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic. I think those guys are at a, at a level now where they feel a lot better than they were, you know, the year they lost to the Los Angeles Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Also, if they get past the Denver Nuggets, you got to look at the two teams in the Clippers and the Phoenix Suns. They've lost 11 straight to the Clippers. Mm. 11 straight to the Clippers. You keep you keep right? throwing the Clippers in like they're going to beat the Suns. The Suns well, are no, going to no, destroy no, the Clippers, but I'm just, right? But I'm just, just, I just in case. That, yes. Okay. But then let's talk about the Suns then. Like, you you got the, the best offensive player in the game right now in Kevin Durant. You got Devin Booker, who's a sharpshooter. So now you got two guys that you're going to be facing that can give you buckets any time of the day. You talk about mid-range from the three-point line. From the free throw line, they could do a lot of different things on the basketball court along with the most purest point guard that we have in the game in Chris Paul. And they also have a big – now their bench isn't as deep, 
But also, I wouldn't want to go against the easy money sniper and Kevin Durant, nor would I want to want to go against the you know Los Angeles Clippers, a team that I've lost eleven straight games yeah, to, who fair. can honestly sit up here and tell you that they're the king of of, of L.A. I, I not mean, you. <laughs> you're not wrong. By the way, Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Uh, I gotta stop. Uh, I gotta stop. You know, partaking at the end of the night because I feel like every time I got my feet up, Annabelle's sitting with me on the couch, and I partake. I'm partaken, partook just a little bit. Like I've got like a little edible in my system, and I'm sitting there every single time it happens. I'm making one or two bets right now. It's more money on Milwaukee to get to the NBA Finals, or m- more money on Phoenix at this point. If the Bucks take on the Suns, I might just take a week off and go to an all inclusive somewhere because. At this point, I, I am that uh, I'm all in on the sun. So I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I feel like Phoenix is going to absolutely just decimate the Clippers, and then they're going to sit back. They're going to put their feet up. They're going to have a little popcorn. They're going to enjoy themselves a, a nice like movie night. They'll get some relaxation, and before they get to to take on uh, whatever team's coming next, I love no, no, Phoenix. No, 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 I'll say this though, because Memphis. Without Steven Adams also, without um, mm, Brandon yeah. Clark, uh-huh. that opens up things for, you know, Anthony Davis inside as well. Think about that, right? You think about the Minnesota game tonight, you're not going to have a Rudy Gobert or Jaden uh, McDaniels. But then when you if you play the Memphis Grizzlies, you're not going to have, you know, two of their defensive anchors. Now, you still have Jaron Jackson Jr., but Memphis has to be careful in those regards because one of the things that's plagued his, his, his season and also his career has been foul trouble. And he's one of the best players on their roster. I think the Memphis Grizzlies go as he goes. Uh, I understand Josh job, but as Jaron Jackson Jr. goes, the Memphis Grizzlies go. Yeah. So I don't think you can afford him getting in foul trouble messing around with Anthony Davis either. You're a thousand percent right. And the Lakers will be smart in being aggressive and trying to get him into those situations. I question whether or not Memphis has enough bodies. If they're calling the game tight, particularly in those series, I question if Memphis has enough bodies. I'm not feeling good, but I'm still confident. <laughs> I'm still lightly confident. All right. Uh, we'll keep you updated on it because it's a huge night in the NBA. And coming up tonight could be the beginning of the end for one superstar household name with this current team. Plus, a former top three pick has been traded in the NFL. That's next on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry also on the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. From the varsity... The Lemon Pepper Wings. Lemon Pepper what? And the Hawks and the Falcons. Nothing but that. Trey Young. Ice Trey. What's hot in Atlanta this week? This is what happens on Fitz and Harry. We get breaking news. And it changes everything, but it doesn't change the concept. What's hot in Atlanta? We'll get to one particular NBA superstar in a second, hot or not. But... Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Breaking news. Falcons are acquiring Lions corner Jeff Akuda. His agent confirmed to ESPN, articulated that the GM of the two teams involved made it a seamless, collaborative process, as opposed to what we're seeing, I don't know, when other GMs, Jets, uh, Packers, negotiate. The negotiations were described as amicable and productive throughout, as this deal represents a win-win for both sides, a fresh start for Okuda in Atlanta. So what uh, it looks like, according to the worldwide interwebs, it was a fifth-round draft pick. Remember, he was the third overall pick in the 2020 draft out of Ohio State, 24 years old. Uh, had it started hot last year, as you just saw on the screen, if you're watching this in the ESPN app from Field Yates. Uh, absolutely a, a big move here. A fifth round draft pick for Jeffrey Okuda. What's hot in Atlanta, Harry Douglas? 
Well, I think this is a great move by the Falcons, right? Because you look at their secondary, they have A.J. Terrell, a young, phenomenal corner. They signed Jesse Bates, the third, from the safety position. They had Casey Hayward. Now you add a third guy in Jeff Okuda. And sometimes, guys, it's just uh, the important factor that guys get a fresh start somewhere else, right? Jeff Okuda, he's plagued by injuries in Detroit, couldn't quite get things going. He's going to have that fresh start now with the Atlanta Falcons down here in Atlanta, where I'm actually doing this show from at the moment. But I just love the moves that the Atlanta Falcons are making uh, as a team, but also defensively. This, this is a team that signed Calais Campbell to pair him along with Grady Jerry. Also got David Omeyata from the uh, New Orleans Saints. Keaton Ellis as well from the New Orleans Saints. So the Falcons are making moves to make noise in the NFC South and win that division. I'm excited about them. Um, as well as you're going to get Kyle Pitts back on offense to pair him up with Drake London, Tyler Agier. If the Falcons would have won uh, and been in playoff contention last year, he would have been up for, you know, rookie offensive player of the year with the year that he had at the running back position. So really looking forward to big things here in Atlanta, Georgia, baby. Ooh, I mean, that was Fitz. Devin, Let's go, baby. Devin, back me up here. Uh, producer extraordinaire, Devin. Uh, I would say that that was a much more measured response than we initially got from Harry Douglas. I felt like initially there was some yelling, there was some screaming, the word Super Bowl might have been mentioned, Like, and, and now on, we get a very see. measured, people, smart people, approach. People, Devin, people, tell me if I'm wrong. People that know me, people that know me, I'm not just throwing Super Bowl out there, just just throwing Super Bowl out there. I, I mean, people know people know I don't even talk like that. During that break, all I heard was the birds this, the birds that. I know, but Devin, you, did you, Devin, did you ever hear Super Bowl come out of my mouth? It was implied. Maybe okay. it was implied. No, 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 no. <laughs> did you ever hear Super Bowl come out of my no, mouth? I did not, but because I Because we're not going to put words in HD's mouth, baby, not okay. down here in the ATL. I mean... No, no. Uh, look, uh, uh, Evan is telling me it's definitely, definitely, implied. definitely implied. Evan says that you went full Super Bowl, like you we were flashing rings. You put up a sign. You were no. I well, thought I'm I heard. Sorry. I thought I'm I heard sorry. you, you got to cheer for the Raiders year in and year out. Hey, I hey, apologize. Whoa, 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 let's make a bet. Whoa, let's make a bet right now. What are we doing? Here? I'm just sitting here being all polite to my friend. I apologize. I'm being all happy for you in Atlanta because you got this great team that still has a suck quarterback. No, but you and Devin tried to lie on me. So then I talked about Super Bowl. I'm saying that the Atlanta Falcons this season, and I tweeted it a few weeks ago. Y'all keep sleeping on Atlanta. We're going to welcome to Atlanta all your asses. That's what I'm saying right I mean, here. You can right welcome now. us to mediocrity at the quarterback position. You ain't winning nothing without a good quarterback. You ain't got a quarterback. Come well, on. How, well, how, how are you going to say the quarterback position is mediocre if I mean, you haven't seen him play for a full season? I mean, Desmond let, let, Now, if you want mediocrity, well, you, you just go to Las Vegas with the Raiders. Just okay. go to Las Vegas. Okay. Why, like, Vegas is just catching. Look, the Raiders. When was the last time y'all even made a Super Bowl? Uh, okay. That would be the early 2000s. It, was, it, it, it didn't go particularly well. We got our ass kicked from the beginning to the end as opposed to you guys just getting your ass kicked in the fourth quarter. Like, that's all, you know. You guys should make a bet right now. I don't know what, what it is. What are we betting? Like, the, whoever the has the best record, the Falcons I, or the Raiders. That's not it. Like, yeah, the, you Raiders, can't do the, the Raiders are in a two-year rebuild, oh, all right? The Raiders are in a poo, two-year poo. rebuild. I, now I feel, we're going to cry. I, 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 no, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just cry. saying. Uh, poo poo. Uh, uh, you know what? That, that's, My poor little Raiders. Poo poo. Now, you know what? Uh, while we're while we're on the conversation of Atlanta, I just want to point out now that Atlanta Braves right-hander Ian Anderson will undergo Tommy John surgery. Sources uh, have oh. told ESPN's Jeff Passan and Kylie McDaniel after a difficult 2022 season, Anderson started the year at AAA, struggled in his first start before being diagnosed with a torn UCL 
expected to return in 2024. So a big setback in our uh, Braves-Mets fi- rivalry. What are you doing to me right here? I mean, what, what are you doing to me? Changing the subject off of how bad the Rangers <laughs> are. What do you think I'm doing? I mean, I feel like this is this is pretty I mean, easy to see. What team's left in Atlanta? Because we've had two breaking news Atlanta stories. What, I mean, what's next? Oh, wait. There is one more story coming out of Atlanta, and it's about <laughs> Trey Young. Where are, let's Before we get to any thought on this from any of our experts, you're in ATL. You know the Hawks. Yeah. You love the Hawks. Yeah. You want them to go to the playoffs so that you can go to a bunch of games and I can be your plus one. So the 100%. question is, well, where are you on Trey Young specifically right now? Well, I would say this. like Trey Young, the player, looking at last year in the playoff series against the Miami Heat, um, Trey Young really got beat up a lot. And you hear the stories about Michael Jordan getting beat up by the Pistons and then going in and you know lifting weights and becoming a better player, becoming getting a little, little bit stronger. Um, I also thought it was great for Trey Young to get a running mate and DeJounte Murray, right? A guy that can put the ba- ball in the basket at any given time. But Trey Young, the demeanor of Trey Young, the, the mindset of Trey Young, I don't think that's in the best place right now when you talk about the Atlanta Hawks and their basketball team because there are a lot of rumblings around the city and also within that organization that Trey Young, you know, is putting his, himself a, a, a little bit more on that pedestal than he probably should be. And I understand he may feel that way, but that doesn't mean you have to act that way. That doesn't mean your actions have to be displayed in that manner as well. So it's kind of rubbing people, you know, the wrong way here in Atlanta. But we still love him as a basketball talent. It's just when you get to the little things about, you know, off the court uh, type situations that I think Trey Young could be better at. And that echoes the sentiment of somebody I, I talked to, uh, you know, a couple of months ago that knows this team incredibly well. Uh, is around the team a pretty good amount. And he said that even internally, there's an understanding that, you know, Trey's treated a little different and separates himself a little bit. And the way Trey and his family sometimes are treated is different than the rest of the players. And no. that 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 word has gotten out in some NBA circles. And it, it sort of echoes the sentiment of Trey Young. There, there just seems to be a small disconnect. And Nick Friedelli, ESPN NBA reporter, said this about Trey on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. It doesn't seem like that future is that long in Atlanta. When you start hearing over and over, eh, I don't know if he's happy there. Eh, I, I don't know if they really want to build around him for the long haul. And, and can that team really win with him as the guy? That's when you start to see uh, moves go down. And I just don't see Trey Young as being the number one type of guy who's going to lead a team through the East in this case and into a, a title. As him as the guy within that team could be coming to an end here at some point too. And Fitz, I hate to say this because, you know, I hate when people talk about size, but I'm going to have to use it here. I don't think Trey Young has the body type to lead the Atlanta Hawks through the East. When you look at what you would have to go through, you look at the Sixers in Embiid, you look at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown with the Celtics, you also look at Giannis Antetokounmpo with the Milwaukee Bucks. But then if you you run into the Miami Heat, you have a Jimmy Butler, right? You see those body type guys that I'm talking about that can lead their teams to different places uh, that they want to go throughout the NBA playoffs. And also, we also got to look at, you know, Lord Pierce, Trey Young got him fired. Nate McMillan, Trey Young got him fired. That's two coaches. Now Quinn Snyder is in there. 
Is that going to be a third coach, or does Quinn Snyder even want to deal with the nonsense that Trey Young has been displaying? It's wild how a year ago it felt like Luca and Trey was win-win for the league, win-win in a trade, and win-win for their organizations. And now we sit here today asking questions about both. By the way, one more note from what's hot in Atlanta. Atlanta United and U.S. men's national team goalie Brad Guzan will be sidelined for at least 10 weeks with a torn MCL. I, I don't know what's just happened in this segment. We started this segment coming in. I know, I know, I know exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get Devin Kane. I'm going to get Mr. Easy E. We call him Evan. All three of y'all are on my naughty list, and mm-hmm. I'm going to get y'all back. Don't y'all worry. All three of We're you are a part of this, yeah, and know. I'm going. All three of you are a part of this nonsense, and I'm going to get my get back. Don't We're, y'all worry. We're just reporting the news, Harry. You know what? I'll I bet y'all are. I bet y'all are. You know I'm a newsman. I bet y'all are. I'll always be naughty for Harry. All right, so. Uh, <laughs> Coming up, Mel Kuyper's got a new mock draft down. I've made America uncomfortable. We'll keep doing that. But we will also figure out one trend in this mock draft that will absolutely stun you. We'll do that next. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. The 2023 NFL Draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. It all begins with round one, Thursday, April 27th on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. With the first pick. Only weeks away from the NFL Draft. And that means the mocks just get more and more frequent. And there's more and more to learn from them in the process. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Our buddy Matt Miller tweeted out about 40 minutes ago, well, I think it's time to start on this seven-round mock draft. Get your, my team will never, tweets ready. This is the world we're in right now. Mel's given us a new mock draft. It's out on ESPN.com. You got to get out there and you got to check it out right now to break it down and really to think about everything draft-related. Our buddy Bill Barnwell, ESPN senior NFL writer, joins us. Bill, as always, appreciate your time, man. Uh, At this point, the top pick in the NFL draft, according to Mel, is going to be Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud. Uh, When you look at the two quarterbacks, do you agree with that? I do, but I'm a little surprised. I mean, certainly it feels like, you know, when the Panthers got that pick, C.J. Stroud was very prominently going to be the selection. The odds went way down on C.J. Stroud. He was a huge favorite, and now we're seeing – those odd shifts. So to me, I think Bryce Young is the guy who has those sort of, you know, the things you can't teach, right? Like his vision, his ability to extend the play, his ability to, you know, make really smart decisions really intelligently in real time. You know, I think you can teach some quarterbacks some things. Obviously, quarterbacks can get more accurate. I think Josh Allen, an example of that, but you can't teach some of the stuff Bryce Young has. So to me, uh, you know, I've always felt like if everything else is perfect, but a guy's not too tall, He's still worth taking. I worked out with Aaron Donald, worked out with Russell Wilson. Hopefully, whether he's the first pick or not, work out with Bryce Young as well. Now, Bill, let's talk about the Texans with the number two pick. They also have the 12th pick overall in this draft. Should they take a quarterback at number two, or should they just go, should, should they just go with the best player available at that moment? Oh, man, it's so tough. I think they have to go with a quarterback with one of those two picks. Just because you look at that roster, you look at that fan base, really, over the past few years where they've been just beaten down by bad team after bad team. They 
the trade of DeAndre Hopkins, the end of the Deshaun Watson era, you know, that, that team has been irrelevant in Houston for several years. And there's great fans in Houston. They deserve a, you know, a team to have some hope about at the very least. And look at that, that quarterback room with Davis Mills, Case Keenum, and EJ Perry. That's not a room I have a lot of hope for if they don't take a quarterback. So, you know, Nick Casario has had a couple of years. He, he's been patient. Obviously, didn't have draft picks that first year, really. Uh, they took Mills. Didn't work out. But I think they have to do something just for the sake of selling season tickets, just for the sake of having some hope. Even if it's not a guy you feel absolutely perfect about, he's still going to be a major upgrade on your Davis Mills and your Case Keenum, um, the guys who would otherwise be in position to start for them in 2023. Do you think it's possible that they take Will Anderson Jr. at number two and then at number 12 if Hendon Hooker is still on the board? Because before that, you do have the Raiders at seven and you also have the Titans at 11. Do you think it's feasible mm-hmm. that they take Hendon Hooker at 12 if they don't take a quarterback at two? Absolutely feasible. But can, can they really, you know, if you're, if you're the Texans, can you really pass up those three quarterbacks there in the top four just so you could sit there and say, you know, we got Will Anderson. I, I think Will Anderson is going to be a phenomenal football player, and he's at an extremely valuable position. But if you're at two, I think at the very least you call the Colts. And you say, hey, Indianapolis, you're desperate to get your pick of these quarterbacks. Let's get you ahead of the team in number three, which could be Arizona, could be someone trading up for that pick most likely. You know, let's move you up to number two, even if you're a division rival, and then maybe you get Will Anderson at four, and you get a pick you know, in addition to that, and then you can take Hendon Hooker uh, at 12, as you were alluding to. So I think if you're not taking a quarterback, Will Anderson could be incredibly valuable, but I think that's where you start getting a little creative to try and move down a bit and try and get you know really everything you could hope for with a quarterback, Anderson, and extra picks to work with as well. We're talking to Bill Barnwell on Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Uh, Bill, screw professionalism. I don't care. Uh, The Raiders pick seventh, so I'm going to ask you just straight out of the gate here. Knowing that I'm taking on Patrick Mahomes for the next 27 years and he's going to win 18 Super Bowls in that time because that's the way my life works, uh, the Raiders better off going off after another pass rusher to try and help uh, Max Crosby or better off going with somebody in the secondary to try and help the coverage skills. I think I'd go with the cornerback. You know, obviously Mahomes, one of his strengths is always going to be finding the open guy. Like, he's incredible at extending a play for, we're going to exaggerate, 17 seconds. And then either Travis Kelsey is inexplicably wide open or uh, one of his other receivers is wide open for a big play. But this Raiders secondary, it's a work in progress would be generous. I mean, they bring in David Long from the Rams. Nate Hobbs, I thought, was solid as a rookie. They, they, They bring in Marcus Epps, who, you know, made it to the Super Bowl with the Eagles last year, who I think is a solid safety but they haven't invested anywhere near as much in the secondary as they have up for it with the Max Crosby contract, of course, for a great player, and Chandler Jones as well. So I think if they can get, you know, defensive tackle help in this draft, I think it'd be helpful. But given where the given where they pick, given where the cornerbacks are landing here, uh, expected by most mocks to land in that seven to ten range of top corners in this year's draft, I think that's a spot where you go for a cornerback. If you have a guy you love, if you don't have a guy you love, then maybe you trade down. Maybe you try and get a couple extra picks. They certainly could use extra draft capital after the past few years. But there's a guy you love, and he's on the board there. I think you take a cornerback, and you feel like you at least maybe solve one of your problems in dealing with Mahomes. Well, Bill, I think a lot of people in Atlanta are excited right now. They The Falcons just traded for Jeff Okuda for a fifth-round draft mm-hmm. pick. They also added Calais Campbell, Jesse Bates the third, David Omanyata, and Keaton Ellis to their defense. How excited should Atlanta fans be with those five guys that they added to the defense? What a Atlanta? Homer question. I mean, uh, just be quiet and let Bill answer the damn question. Talk about some Homer. So I was trying to make it sound like I, I wasn't a big fan of anything. Jesus 
Cut. <laughs> just, just, I, I, I admire the professionalism from you guys regularly. I appreciate that you ask the questions that everyone cares about. Falcons, Raiders. I mean, I, I'm excited about the Falcons. I think Arthur Smith has done a good job here. You know, certainly the offense, I don't think any of us gave the offense credit for being especially good last year. And by the numbers, it was a top 10, top 12 offense. The defense, I mean, I, I don't want to be... Rude, Harry. I feel like the last time the defense was good was when you were playing for the Falcons, so I feel like they could use some oh. help on the defensive side of the football. Jesse Bates, I think, is such a winner, you know, like a guy who kind of went through the little rough times in Cincinnati and then came out of it and was a key part of a, a Super Bowl contender, a team that made it to the Super Bowl, was a key player for those teams the past couple of years. I think he gives them, you know, kind of, kind of a, a shot of culture in addition to whatever he offers on the field as well. Um, but, but I do think that you know, they're in position to compete. The AFC, the AFC South, excuse me, is wide open. So I'm not going to lie. They, they're the team this entire time. I felt like, why aren't they making a move for Lamar Jackson? Because if they make a move for Lamar Jackson, suddenly that is a really good football team as opposed to one that is kind of hopeful. So optimistic, but I'm just, I keep sitting here saying, man, this would be the perfect fit if they're going to make, anyone's going to make a bit for Lamar Jackson. It should be the Atlanta Falcons. Bill, he's shimmying now. Like, this is what I do with. I've got shimmying <laughs> Harry. This is, you know what? Someday the Raiders will be good and I will shimmy throughout the entire world. Bill Barnwell, appreciate you hanging out with us, my friend, as always. Thanks so much and have a great day. Thanks, guys. That's Bill Barnwell, ESPN senior NFL writer. All right. Harry's going to keep sh- shimmying, but coming up, there's one team that controls everything in the NFL draft. Everything. It's not being talked enough about. And Harry and I disagree on how they should use their power. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. The 2023 NFL Draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. It all begins with round one, Thursday, April 27th on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. With the first pick. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. The 2023 NFL Draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. It all begins with round one, Thursday, April 27th on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. With the first pick. I've been lucky enough in my career to cover the NFL Draft for our digital properties every single year that we've done a show. Harry and I will be covering it together with a whole slate of superstars for the first two days of the draft this year, wherever you get your ESPN digitally in the YouTube, in, in the YouTube, in YouTube, uh, Twitter, Facebook, the ESPN, all those places. I have never been this unsure about what's going to happen at the top of the draft, and it's not about the players. It's about the teams. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Hear me out. I am long, uh, I've long since said, Harry, I think the top four picks are going to be quarterbacks. That, I think, is, is already unprecedented. What I can't figure out is who's going to actually make those picks. Uh, it, there are so many, so many different prospects. And if you look at Mel's most recent mock draft, he's got the Titans trading up to the third overall pick with Arizona to take Anthony Richardson. And it only raises this question of what the teams with the power should do because a lot of mocks right now are presuming the Panthers obviously taking a quarterback first. We know that. 
Then there's a presumption the Texans will take a quarterback second, although we can poke some holes in that, which means suddenly the third overall pick with Arizona becomes a huge leverage spot. I mean, the the Cardinals don't need a quarterback right now. They can trade out of this. The question is, do you do it today? Do you do it draft day? Like, what is the right approach? I think me looking at the Arizona Cardinals, I would wait to draft day because, Fitz, let's just say hypothetically at number two, the Texans don't take a quarterback. Now you're looking at a spot at number three that the Arizona Cardinals hold that pick right now at the moment. That pick is that much more valuable, right? And so now you're going to have teams, you're already going to have teams crawling up and trying to get to number three anyway if two quarterbacks are taken. Well, if one quarterback is taken with, within the first two picks, now the, 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 the demand on trying to move up for teams, I think it's going to rise that much more. So I think it's it, it, the smart thing to do for Arizona is to wait until the draft and see how things play out at number two and then see where you go from there. Because if the Texans don't take a quarterback with the second pick, the the demand on, on wanting to get a quarterback from these teams and, and trying to move up is going to be very, very higher, I think, more so than doing it right now. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying logically, but the only thing I would say is, I, look, I won't be stunned if the Texans don't take a quarterback second overall. I'll explain why in a second. But I won't be stunned if the Texans pass on a quarterback at two. I will be shocked, more than I've been shocked by anything we've ever seen in the draft together, if a quarterback doesn't go second overall. I think if the Texans aren't taking a quarterback, I don't think they take Will Anderson Jr. there. I think they're trading out. So they're looking at a team that's desperate for a quarterback to give up everything to move it to. That's one of the reasons that things get a little tricky for me for Arizona because I don't think there's any chance at all, no matter what happens in the draft, that the first two players selected in some order won't be Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. So what I w- the reason I would want to trade up now to three is that if anybody thinks, like if I'm Arizona, I've got a bunch of people that might think the second overall pick could get difficult. So maybe I have more bidders. My fear, if I'm Arizona, is if I wait till draft day, if the Texans trade out at two and then it goes quarterback, quarterback, then you might have less of a market for three. But it does speak to to your point. I don't know. Like, I genuinely don't know. Because if you are madly in love with whatever quarterback's left and you're stunned that they're left at three, maybe you will pay a king's ransom in the moment. Maybe it's like being on eBay where you know what the right price is, but now all of a sudden you're so close, all of a sudden you'll overpay for it. Maybe you've talked me into this because maybe Arizona should wait and just see if they can get somebody to emotionally overpay for whatever the third player is there. Look, and you also got to remember, right, you have two teams that are sitting number one at seven in, in the Las Vegas Raiders and then the Tennessee Titans at number 11. Those are two teams that could potentially move up and want to move up and draft a quarterback in that spot when you look at their situations. You got Jimmy Garoppolo in Vegas, but he's not going to be the long-term uh, answer. Uh, you also got Ryan Tannehill with the Tennessee Titans. He's not going to be the long-term uh, term answer, especially with them getting a the new general manager or whatnot and Rand Carthone. You want to try to kind of set you know, your, your organization in stone for the future if you're both of those teams by drafting a guy if you can move up and get one of the guys that you think you think is, is feasible for your organization. Which is why, I mean, Mel's got the Titans uh, trading up to number three to get Anthony Richardson. Look, if an organization is madly in love with any of these four quarterbacks, uh, any of these five quarterbacks, if we want to include Hendon Hooker, if they're madly in love with them, Harry, I'll say this loudly, I don't care what you pay to move up. 
go get that guy. If you are, look, I, it wouldn't be the way I would do it, but if your board and your scouts and your coaching staff all sit there and say, Anthony Richardson's the guy, then you pay the Kings ransom because it's rare to be in this situation where you can get a quarterback. So I have no problem with the team aggressively moving up. I think that is going to be a huge part of this draft. The one thing that I think we need to remember, and Mike Renner, I'm stealing this from Mike Renner. I want to credit Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus, who pointed out that C.J. Stroud has the same agent that Deshaun Watson had. And that agent represented a couple of different players that have had unceremonious exits from the Texans organization. And he pointed out that that's a hesitation for the Texans on wanting to draft C.J. Stroud or anyone else that might be represented by that agent. I don't know, again, this is Mike Runner's point, but the minute I saw it, Harry, the first thing I thought is, man, if the Texans are taking C.J. Stroud off the board because of their agent, then things just got really weird that's at bad, the top. That's, that's, that's bad business, right? Because when you look at strong organization, especially from the top down, from the ownership to the president to the general manager, I don't think that will be into question when you're talking about a, a quarterback that could potentially change your organization. Now, an organization that's been in shambles and rocky for the last few years, like the Houston Texans, that's something that may bother them. But if you're dealing with one of these upper echelon teams that has been to the playoffs year in and year out, won a Super Bowl, they're not thinking about things like that. They probably wouldn't even be picking in that spot anyway. But still, you're looking at the Houston Texans, things haven't been, you know, pieced together for the front office for some time now. So are, will they let something like that be uh, be the pettiness uh, that doesn't allow them to take C.J. Stroud at the quarterback because who's representing him and uh, who else is representing Deshaun Watson? That would be crazy in my mind. But also I want to say this, though, Fitz. Do not be surprised at the Titans moving up to three because the Arizona Cardinals' new gen- general manager, uh, Monty Ozenfort, came from the Tennessee Titans. So he was there. So there's a connection there between that organization and also the general manager for the Arizona Cardinals. Which is always a huge part of draft night in general. Who has what relationships to be able to get deals done, especially quickly? That's one thing that's interesting about when the clock starts I think we're going to see unprecedented number of calls because if the Texans, by the way, and I agree with everything you said, they have the opportunity to restart the way their franchise is seen. Uh, you want to give D'Amico Ryans all the power he That'd needs to That would be bad make, business like, if they don't pick a quarterback because of who his agency is. A hundred percent. Give your new staff their opportunity to be the way they want to be. But above and beyond all of that, uh, I'm looking at teams like the Titans, teams like the Raiders. If they still see their guy available, it feels like it makes a lot of sense to pay whatever it takes to move up. Again, the draft will have you covered on every single pick on ESPN Radio. We've got you covered on ESPN Digital, and of course you can watch it on ESPN. Forget about winning just tonight. One NBA expert thinks a long playoff run's about to start for the Lakers. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry, ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 